Today we're considering the command, you shall not give false testimony about your neighbor. Uh, You shall not lie, essentially. The notion of truth and lies is very central to our faith because God is truth. God is real. God is ultimate truth because simply because he exists. And we have to believe, I would say, in God, but we have to believe in something supernatural that just exists and is truth in itself. That there is an uncaused cause giver. Some people, if they try to deny the existence of God, you would have to say that matter has always existed. But matter can't have always existed unless you believed in an uncaused cause. Natural processes don't describe ultimate causes. So you have to believe in something supernatural. There must be some unique being that exists without a cause, and that is God. Pastor, you just dove into the deep end there. You know, Yeah, we did. Basically, God exists. God is true and truth, and that is central. So anyway, all that said, This one true, uncreated, uncaused being, God, created the world. Everything that is seen and unseen. He created it according to his word and his way and his will. And in this perfect world, God puts human beings, male and female. And they are to live freely. He is their God. They are his people. And they live without guilt or shame or blame, or anything. And there's just perfect freedom and fellowship in the world God created. And God commands them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then there is a liar. There is one who comes and brings false testimony about God. False witness of God. It's the serpent, the deceiver. He says, tell me about that tree. And the human says, we're not to eat from that tree or we will die. And then the false witness, the deceitful witness is this. You will not surely die. God knows that when you eat of that tree, you'll, you'll, you'll be like him. Knowing good and evil. God, God is keeping something from you. In this misrepresentation, this lie becomes for the human a temptation, and she violates God's command. And the man followed right along. And sin and curse enter the world from that point forward, and therefore, all humanity does not just live in that freedom, but we live as slaves to sin in a world that is just full of lies everywhere. It all started with one temptation, one false testimony, one deception. But then Jesus came and he said, I have come to, I was born to testify to the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Jesus said, I've come that you can know truth and that truth will set you free. Jesus, the truth, came to show us what is truly true. Yet he himself was accused of being a deceiver and a liar. He was ultimately arrested. At his trial, there were false witnesses who were there at his trial. Gospel of Matthew. And he was sentenced to death on a cross. 
And even though he only spoke truth, even though there was no deceit in anything he said, he was condemned, treated as one who was sinful. He he was treated as one who uh, believed lies or spoke lies. He did that in our place. We're the ones who deserve that end. But his death was in our place as our substitute to bring us new life, life that is marked by truth. So for us, when we live in truth, when we speak truth, when we are aligned with truth, we are aligned with God's way and and God's will. When we live lies, when we tell lies, when we hide the truth, we're walking a path of destruction. So we live today in a world where it is really hard to pin down the truth. When you watch the news, is is what I'm hearing as truth, is it true? Because I see contradictory things. We can't, we're a world, we can't even agree on the facts. We can't even agree on the data. Is it true? It is, and you wonder why people are so fearful and anxious. And the world is so hard to make sense of what is up and down. We want to know truth. We want to live truth. We want to perpetuate truth and speak words that are true. And that's what we're focusing on today. So let us pray. God, our world is just so broken, and there's so much deceit and so much falsehood. It is hard to find our way. But you said, I am the way. And in a world where it's hard to know what is true, you said, I am the truth. And in the midst of it all, we want to live whole and fruitful lives. And we remember, Lord, that you said, I am the life. So God, it's with all humility that we admit that we need to learn from you because we are lost without you. Teach us in this time. We pray in the name of Jesus who is the way and the truth and the life. Amen. So what I want to do with this command today is take a look at how do we lie? How, what are some of the ways that we lie uh, or not speak truth? And then consider the Jesus way of of um, not lying. Um, We need to acknowledge that we all lie. Um, We're born with this sinful nature. Again, we've inherited it right from the beginning that is prone to lie. I have a a good friend of mine. He went home uh, from work one day and the the big screen TV in the basement was smashed. And his his kids were down there and he said, what? happened down here and the oldest child said she did it and then the middle child said no no he did it well he's an infant he can't even hold his head up he didn't unless you threw him against that television in which we have more problems he did not smash the big screen tv my children are lying to me and i had a conversation with my friend about these lies and he felt very betrayed by his children. I say, look, I just want to know what happened. And they, did I teach them to lie? Where did I fail them as a parent where they're lying to me? And I said, you don't have to teach children to lie. You could demonstrate perfect integrity. You could demonstrate perfect truth-telling to your children. And they will lie to you because they have a sinful nature. And we all have that sinful nature, and we are all prone to lie. Lying comes very naturally to us. It just flows out of us. And it's not just little kids. We're just better at it. 
We're just more savvy. We don't blame infants for breaking. I'm sorry to point at you. <laughs> I was trying to. You gave me permission to tell the story, but not to call you out. Um, sorry about that. We're just, we just get better at lying. There's all different types of lies. So there's the flat-out lie. You could just look someone in the eye and tell them something that you know is not true, and you are intentionally trying to uh, deceive somebody. Why do we lie like that? Fear? Embarrassment? I want to avoid being embarrassed by what would have been true? Trying to protect myself? Maybe if I were to speak what is true, there's a consequence to me? Or to my job? Or, or to my reputation? And I'm just going just gonna to say it different. It's a flat out lie. You say, well, but what about times when the truth is going to hurt? You know, sometimes it's, sometimes, you know, it's either simpler to lie, or I could just play dumb, just pretend like I don't know what the truth is. You know, I could lie with just my expression. In, you know, and even sometimes we'll go as far as to say, well, lying is actually, um, I'm doing a good thing. I'm, I'm showing kindness by not speaking the truth. But it's a flat-out lie. Then there's what I'll call, or what is often called, a white lie, a little white lie. That's where that's a lie where we say there's no consequence to this lie. There's really no victim, and everybody's in a better place for it. You know, it's a very diplomatic and well-intentioned untruth. So it doesn't really matter. The big lies, that's bad. But little, the little white lies, who cares? There's also half-truths. So maybe you're not inclined to tell a lie, but you, you leave out key details that you know will deceive the person you're communicating with. You just kind of leave out the ones you want to leave out, and it's not... It's half-true. There's deceit. So technically, I spoke accurately. I didn't lie, but I know that you believe, by the end of me carefully saying my words, I know that you believe something that's not totally true. And again, then sometimes just the playing dumb. What about silence? Is that the same as lying? If I have truth that I don't speak, that I should speak. Um, God's law, again, the Old Testament, Leviticus 5, says if a person sins because he does not speak up when he hears a public charge to testify regarding something he has seen or learned about, he will be held responsible. Scriptures basically say, yeah, if you have truth that needs to be said and you remain silent, that is essentially just as untruthful um, as a lie. We, we had a great uh, dinner last night. I was with my, my three sisters, including my sister from Florida, who's up dropping her daughter at college this week. And uh, so my, we're all together, the four of us, and we don't usually, uh, doesn't happen often these days. Uh, my mom was there, and we were sharing stories, including the story about when we got our first cat, our only pet that we had growing up. So uh, we, we got this cat on the weekend, and we didn't tell my dad. We all lived in the same house. So we've got a four-legged creature now living in the house, and we didn't tell Dad. And some days go by, and my oldest sister, Nikki, she's the, she was the most moral of 
all of us as growing, I don't know about today, but she was then. Um, she, was, she had the most uh, tender conscience, and she said, Mom, isn't not telling Dad that we have this cat the same as lying? And um, that was her quote as, as a young child, and Dad found out about the cat. It was hard to hide, and it was, I won't finish that story, but it was not pretty. It wasn't our, we laugh about it now, but that was, um, we all feared for our lives and the life of the cat. And, <laughs> but she lived to ripe old age of, I don't know, 19 or something. And Okay. There's also things like flattering. When we, we tell someone, really, this is the most delicious pie I've ever eaten. And just, no. You know that's not true. Or you just, you, you compliment and you just are effusive in a way that, why are we doing that? Why am I not using words that are totally true? I'm trying to be kind, I suppose. But am I trying to gain something back by manipulating truth? Um, and again, thinking about silence and not addressing things. We talked about this a little bit when we talked about Jesus' plan for living at peace with one another and making peace. That there's times when we just need to speak truth that's hard. We have a responsibility to address things, not ignore them. And all the time, things build up. People have problems, let's say, in the life of our church. There's something that seems off to them, or, but they don't want to say anything. They don't want to rock the boat. And the next thing you know, they're, they're upset, and they leave, and they're gone. And they say, what happened? We never had a chance to actually address this. And it hurts our community. It hurts our uh, being a body together when we don't speak truth, even if it's hard to speak. You'll notice, though, this command is not just all lying. It doesn't say do not lie. It's a specific kind of a lie that's being addressed in the Ten Commandments. It's don't bear false witness, don't give false witness against your neighbor. It's about speaking false about someone else, and that's a specific kind of a lie. And it's kind of very legal language here. Because testimony, spoken testimony, was very important for God's people to know what had happened and, and how to um, bring justice when there's been a wrong or a violation of the law. But when this law is re-given in Deuteronomy, it's the same exact words. It's do not bring false witness, uh, do not give false testimony against your neighbor. It's this, we translate it the same, but the word for false there is actually a different Hebrew word, which can mean insincere or empty or frivolous or worthless words. The point, the point is, this command is about not just speaking lies against your neighbor, but using your words about your neighbor in ways that are careless or empty, which would include things like gossip, without really thinking about how it hurts your neighbor's reputation, just saying things about them, having a conversation about somebody else's behavior, particularly if they are not involved in that conversation. But we talk about people all the time. But how do our words speak um, in, in ways that are building up and good and truthful and not just careless, frivolous, empty, or even false words or insincere words about our neighbor? Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 12, he said, I tell you, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For every word that we speak, 
the God of the universe cares. And when we think about it that way, we say, okay, I need Jesus. I need Jesus' grace to live this out. So what is the Jesus way of not lying? And I would say today, this is a very advanced idea that we're walking through together, even this whole Ten Commandments thing. What we are doing as a community is we're saying, God cares about every inch of my life. And I want Jesus to be Lord over everything in my life, every word that I speak. I want to live in the whole truth, every word. That's a meaty, that's a meaty concept. And pe- people will say things like, well, that's a... Um, What, forget that. What, what makes a teaching weighty or meaty isn't the details that we can get out of this text. It's where God takes it in our heart. It's how we live it out there. It's how deep we allow God to go and search our hearts and to transform our hearts uh, to show us where we have fallen short of his standard and to trust him to guide us in that good way. That is... Uh, letting his light shine into our darkness. And this is, uh, this is a very high calling and a, and a great pursuit that we take as a community together. And our example is Jesus, and as First Peter 2 says, to this you were called, to what? To suffering for doing what is right. So you're seeking to do what is right. It actually costs you something. Peter says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So Jesus is your example. Jesus spoke only truth. There was no deceit. And when that moment came and there was insults hurled at him, he trusted the true judge, God. We lie because we're afraid of people. We lie because of the consequences. But we need to remember that God knows all that is true. You can hide nothing from him. You cannot deceive God. Do not be fooled. Scripture says you cannot deceive God. And in that moment, we have that opportunity. Do I follow the way of Jesus and speak truth even if it's costly? Or do I lie my way out. That's why I'm drawn to this Ephesians passage. Um, And in chapter 22, this is the path for us. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, to put on the new self, created to be like God, True righteousness and holiness. And this is great. That's actually a good translation. To be made new, not make yourself new. It's God's work. It's a, it's a passive verb there. You're going to be made new. You're going to move from this old way of, of non-truth into this new thing that's going to be like God. So here it goes, verse 25 is our key verse. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we, all, we are all members of one body. So this brings us beyond just simply not saying false things about your neighbor. But now it's speaking truthfully to your neighbor. So again, that's going to include 
things that may conversations that may be difficult. It can include confronting. Verse, jump down, verse 29, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that they may benefit, that it may benefit those who listen. So false testimony about my neighbor harms my neighbor, but I can speak words that are helpful to build up and edify my neighbor. So we have a whole, we have a whole opportunity now with our words to build one another up. To edify. That's actually why it's important that we continue to gather as a people to worship and not just solely uh, do that, this as kind of a remote thing. Because when we gather together, we're here to glorify and to edify. And so that means we glorify God, but we edify one another with our, uh, by joining our voices together, by greeting one another, by speaking words that build one another up. We do that as we gather so that when we scatter out, we've, we've taken time to glorify God as he deserves, and we've taken time to edify and build up one another. And, and I, just special greeting to online audience. Like you can have a genuine experience of, of worshiping God, glorifying God in that in what we're doing here, but it's hard to edify others if you're alone, particularly. So it takes extra effort to, to do the edification part, to use my words to build others up, because that's part of what's happening here. And again, there's good reasons why people need to connect remotely, and I'm, I praise God that we can do that. But in all of us gathered here or uh, remotely to think, how can my words edify and build up? that my words could be for the benefit of others. So here's, here's how we take this. This time tomorrow, who are the people in my life? Who are the people around me? My, whether it's my coworkers, my neighbors, just maybe just my household, my family. Are there ways that I can intentionally use my words to build them up? And maybe it's words that I write or a message that I send that I can intentionally move from someone who's inclined to use my words to protect myself, to avoid consequences, to just, to just flat out lie, and to become a person as God is prompting me to speak words that are going to build up. That's the, at the heart of it, it's very simple. And we'll have all kinds of opportunities to live it out. One more thing as we wrap this up. If, if giving false testimony against my neighbor, speaking something that's untrue about another human, really the opposite about that would be speaking something that is true about God. That's the gospel. The word gospel means good news. It is a, a good news. It is a true story about what Jesus did. Coming to that world that was broken and shattered in sin, starting with a lie and a deceit and, and, a, and a fall of humanity, but is being restored by God through the work of Jesus Christ. And that restoration is for you, and it's for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And we will know God, the, the restored world will be part of it, and know it in its fullness. That is the good news. That is true testimony about God. So as we go, not only can our words build up, but we can bring the truest and the most beautiful story of God's work into our world with us as we go. Let us pray. Father God, as our Lord Jesus said, that out of
the overflow of our hearts, our mouths will speak. And I do pray that we not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but that which is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit them. Lord, help, help us to know what builds others up. Help me to speak words that are true. Help it to benefit others. Help this simple word become very deep and real and weighty as we, as we bring it to our world. We thank you that by your word, you bring life. And I pray that in a small way that our words would bring life to others as we go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.